There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Willie. Morning, sir. So, I read in the Herald this week, Willie, you've got a new job. I didn't know you were out looking for a job, but you seem to have a new job. Do you want to tell our listeners this morning (laughs) what you're doing? Yeah, unfortunately, Tom, it's another unpaid job. Unpaid, Yeah, I have agreed to to be part of... um, the Anasawa's uh, Labour Economic Advisory Board. Okay. So who else is going to be on it, Willie? Well, there's a few you. people. Bob Brannan's going to be on it. Remember um, Bob um, way back in the day? And there's a few other people. And I think there'll be other, other people added to it. Um, you know, we've, we've got Liz Cameron there as well. We've Very got good. Sandy Begbie. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of people who have been around the block a few times and they'll, they'll bring a lot to the table. So is this a new thing? Because I'm I'm trying to work out. I think um, the First Minister is reconnecting with business. Um, as we've said in past shows, it's starting from a very low point with under our previous First Minister, but Hamza's out there listening with business. So do you think there's a renewed interest in the political parties about business in Scotland? I'd probably sum it up this way. Me and you have been involved and various think tanks, government-led bodies uh, from Scottish Enterprise, me and you on the Smith Group, then I was on the Wood Group for years and years. And I'd have to say, Tom, being close to all that, this is the most confident I've ever felt in 24 years that actually government is ready to listen to business. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's got to be a good thing, really. Yes, yeah, definitely. So... I'm always conscious this is a business show and it's not the politics show, but, you know, if if there's an influence there to actually get the message across to our listeners, but more importantly, I would say the politicians, that the only way we can afford to pay for the NHS and the social care and the great education system is if businesses and individuals pay their taxes. And that's got to be a growth agenda and I suppose I was I was encouraged by what the First Minister said in the programme for government, that he was pro-growth. I wonder how the Greens felt when he said that, Willie. Yeah, obviously when uh, the... Remember back when the, the last First Minister launched her 10-year economic growth plan, she had to do it standing beside Patrick Harvey, who then responded as soon as Nicola was finished talking by saying, yes, we are anti-growth. <laughs> right, so really, you're, you're fighting with one hand tied behind your back and, and the people out there have to understand, you know, what an anti-growth policy means to them. Right. Right. And is there any update for our listeners this morning on the rumble in the jungle, the hockey versus Harvey? Um, 
we invited them on the show. Is he coming on, Willie, or is it silence is golden? <laughs> we haven't invited him on the show, but what I can <laughs> tell you is I have formally <laughs> uh, invited them to come and see what I'm doing in relation to building houses, and he will absolutely see that I am not fitting cheap kit. I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. Can I be a fly in the wall at that? Yeah, one, definitely. But going back to the, the, the previous point, I thought... It was brilliant this week when when Anasawa stated that higher taxation is no substitute for economic growth. I think that is a fantastic line. Yeah. And one of the things, so, you know, the, our First Minister stood up with his programme for government and um, one of the things which, which was hinted at but not put in was once again tinkering with the income tax. And you and I, listen... You and I understand that those with the broader shoulders have to carry the yep. heaviest burden. And we absolutely and we do. do that. And I was looking at some stats this morning before the show. And if you take the top two bands in Scotland, and remember, if you earn more than £28,000 in Scotland, you're paying more tax than the rest of the UK and income tax, which, you know, is, is quite hard to take. But the top two bands, so the high earners, supposedly high earners, that's about 12%, 11.7% of the taxpayers, but they are contributing 65% of the money. So that shows that those with the, with the broader shoulders carry the heaviest burden. And I was reading something by Sandy Begbie as well, and he takes care of the financial services sector and you know Scotland has a brilliant financial services sector and they're well-paid jobs and they were saying that um, if we just keep squeezing and there's only 33,000 people Willie in Scotland pay the highest rate which is incredibly small we need to grow more of them not squeeze them more and he said the financial services sector now is is beginning to get worried about this constant squeeze on income tax. I mean, what's your view in this? Yeah, and I think Sandy is spot on. And I, I think uh, hopefully that the First Minister will take this on board. But I'll tell you how serious it is, Tom. And this is not a joke, this is true. I've got, because of COVID now, a lot of people now, we've all adapted and we've people working from home. Uh -huh. I've got some of my senior executive team now saying, not only do they want to work from home, but they want to work from Ireland. Oh, my goodness. Right, because of the taxation situation in Scotland. So so really, that hopefully, that there'll be a change of mind, hopefully, which will change policy. But we are one of the most taxed countries in Europe. Yeah, and every business, its number one thing is to attract and retain the talent. And talent is in short supply, really, and it's portable. So it can go to Ireland, it can go... To, I mean, there's, there's there's now visas for working from the beach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I can't believe. But anyway, um, so talent, because it's so scarce, it can command big money, yeah. which is fine, but it can also command, well, do I want to live in Scotland? Scotland's got a lot going for it. I'm not going to talk down Scotland, but it's just like investment. You know, these dollars or pounds or euros can are portable and will choose with a whole list of things. Well, you mentioned Sandy Begbie. Uh, we, you know, that we have got one of the 
world-renowned our financial services, Scotland's financial services. Yep. And we've always said for years and years that we'd like to create better jobs, better paid jobs. Unfortunately, with the taxation policies that we have at the moment and maybe going to increase that, we're going to create another offshoring boom. Yeah. People are going to move. As you say, it's too easy to move in these sectors. You could be sitting anywhere and be working in the financial services industry. Yeah. And and the thing that... And tech. And tech. And the thing that I didn't mention about the Irish report, which the Hunter Foundation put out, was not only did they take care of the company, the corporation tax, but they took care of the income tax. Now, it's, it's, it's crept up, but they could attract the talent because they weren't too taxed on their income. I just think, you know, our politicians have, have got to listen. It's it's maybe an easy job sitting going, oh yes, we'll just ask more of, of these earners. But, you know, when £28,000, it's not that much money, Willie. But if you, if you earn more than that in Scotland, you pay more tax than the rest of the UK. Yeah. That's that's against my principles, to be honest. That's no, not you. right. It's absolutely not right. There's no incentive to work harder. So, was there anything in our first minister's program for government that caught your eye that you thought, you know, well, maybe that's a good thing? Um, well, obviously, what st stood out was uh, a bit more money for entrepreneurship. Um, but I'd obviously, you know that sometimes you get announcements. I'd like to see the detail of that but if that is the case and it is actually extra money then that can only be a good thing and that's I could need to say that's very pro-business yeah well I was delighted that you mentioned Scottish Edge because mm -hmm. <laughs> we have been lobbying there um, and Scottish Edge got a mention and um, we have asked for a commitment because with with the previous First Minister while we were giving out the money in one room you and Hunter the Chief Exec of the Hunter Foundation was another room with a Scottish government minister going, are we going to get the money? <laughs> and <laughs> Which I, is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think, Tom, to be fair, and, and for the listeners, that we're not just sitting here, you know, every Sunday blowing hot air. You've demonstrated here that we're trying to follow through and the changes that we'd like to try and make. You know, whether it's me with heat pumps and you with driving entrepreneurship. So there is getting a bit of traction. Right, so I think that, you know, we are out there. And, and what we're doing is we're fighting on behalf of the people. Yeah. Right, and, and hopefully that we're getting somewhere. So a couple of things caught, caught my eye, Willie. Um, there was something about onshore wind and the First Minister said he was committing to halving the time to get the planning through. But, of course, the devil's in the detail. And when I looked at it, the current time taken to get planning for onshore wind wind is three years so we've got a climate emergency but surely that could be down to you know a matter of months not a matter of years and I, I know we've got to take into consideration all this stuff but we're in a climate emergency this is onshore wind we don't want to be burning the hydrocarbons but it's taking three years so on the one hand Brilliant to half the time, but that means one and a half years. <laughs> but, but, Tom, I have to tell you, um, anyone at the moment who's been involved in the process for the past 15 years trying to get planning permission for wind farms 
would absolutely bite your hand off for three years. Really? Never went half of that. Um, I, I was at a dinner a couple of weeks ago, and there was a lady there representing SSE who have been great investors in wind farms right from the start. And they were telling me that the average is eight years. Oh my goodness, eight years. So you know, from start to finish. So I would say that the point you know they would be making again. You know, the, this transition from oil and gas to renewables, you know, we, we all want to be on that journey. We want to do it as fast as we can. You know, and it, it's you know it's great this week. The the Wood Group have just landed a new contract, well 162 million, right? Working in the North Sea on oil and gas. They, this will be hundreds and hundreds of jobs. So it shouldn't be a case of, oh, no, it's it's extending the, the lifetime of, of the North Sea. What we have to do is have a planned transition from that to renewables. And the people at the moment who are involved, like the Wood Group, like other people, should all be part of that debate as how everyone is part of what we're doing going forward. But I think that this is good news. I think, to be fair, the FM has jumped in the back of an announcement from the UK government. That's fine, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But so whatever they're doing, we should be better. So, you know, if if they say it's going to have from eight to four, we should be saying, right, we're going to guarantee it within one year or whatever it might be. Yes. But it's good news, it's good news. So once again, trying to learn from the Irish, whenever the Irish Development Agency had a, a roadblock, mm -hmm. they had access to the decision makers yeah. and at the time, Charlie Hockey would say, fix it. Yeah. So I'd love to think well, we can get that in Scotland where the First Minister says, OK, I understand the thing, right, let's sort it. Yes. Because it's for the good of the country, yeah. for the good of the climate, etc. Yeah. So um, can I just mention again, on the announcements by the First Minister this week, obviously social equality it was at the heart of everything he said and nobody's against that. Right? Nobody. But what we have to get the message out there is we can only get the funds to help with social equality if we generate more jobs. Yeah. If we grow the economy. So everyone listening, whether you're in business or not, you have to understand if we want to have a vibrant um, public service and we want to help, you know, with social equality, the only way we do that is actually by creating a better economy. That's it. Now, how do we look at the Scottish budget because it, everybody's saying oh there's no money and there's a billion pound gap etc and the rough numbers it's, it's actually very worrying Willie but because of our demographic time bomb and I'm going to call it a demographic time bomb we've got an ageing population in Scotland that's why we need positive immigration um, so we've got pensions and we've got health care and we've got social care to take care of but if it was a business, we've got a top line of about 50 billion. So I say to the Scottish government, that's a huge amount of money. And they say, oh, but, you know, and I said, well, I would challenge you that it's not a number problem you've got, it's an allocation problem you've got. But the health and social care is creeping up to about 40% of that budget, Willie. So that is fixed and it's growing and it's, you know, nobody's talking about cutting that and it, rightly so, but maybe maybe looking at the outputs, Willie. So we're, we're spending 19 billion on the NHS, which is a huge sum of money. What is the outputs for the people on the waiting list for, you know, what are we getting for our money? So rather than say, oh, we need more money and we need to put the taxes up, 
let's have a government look at what they get for their money. Any business would have to do it, Willie. Yeah. And, and 50 billion is a great starting point. Yeah. But if so much of it is taken out for pensions and health and social care, it doesn't leave a lot of wriggle room. Yeah. I, I think that um, I've seen an expert this week, Tom, stating that if we were going to be tru truly honest, right, with the public at the moment, that everyone's pension contributions just now should be double. Wow. Right, should be double. And that's someone who understands the finances of the, the, the pension system. But, but, but your point about, I honestly believe about the health service. And in Scotland, we are small enough to try and make a difference. I think in, in UK terms, the NHS is this huge super tanker, right, that takes forever to turn. And I think the only answer to the NHS is we have to break it up a bit into smaller fragments where it's easily manageable, where you can make changes. I don't think, and yeah. the way it is at the moment, you could do that. I mean, I think listening to the people who really understand what's going on in the NHS, you know, and it's mm. it's not usually the middle managers, it's the yeah. people, the practitioners, yeah. the nurses, yeah. they've probably got the answers, Willie, mm -hmm. um, in there, but is anybody listening to them? Well, all, what we could say is central centralisation has certainly not proved to have worked and it certainly hasn't worked in Scotland. So if we go back to the days of Scottish enterprise and the regional, um, you know, the Lex as they called them then, the local economic, you know, councils, then if you look at that and you look at health, I honestly believe that one of the ways of getting Scotland really on its feet here would be to look at more regional control. Right. various public bodies. Okay. But you, you mentioned Scottish Enterprise this week. I had a meeting with Adrian, the chief exec, and Willie, who's the chairman, and there was actually quite a lot of good news. Yeah. It wasn't doom and gloom from them, and there's some good things happening, quite a lot of good things happening down in Ayrshire, yeah. around about the airport, and some really great jobs coming there, Willie, yeah. um, to support space, believe yeah. it or not, space yeah. station, and then all the aero engines and spirit aviation, this, this all, it, it isn't all doom and gloom, you know? Right. But I think that, that, that this is a really good point you make. We've got good people. We've met Adrian, we've had a lot of good, you know, we've had guests on over the last few weeks to say about the help of the Scottish Enterprise, which is brilliant. Yeah. We know Willie Watt personally, we've known him for many, many years running the snib. Yeah. We know that these people, if you leave them to their own devices, putting good people around about them, right, do you think Wally Watt, uh, on his last rolls, would have wasted any money in the DRS scheme? Absolutely not. So what these <laughs> what, what, what these guys need is here's the money here's the money for the government here's government policy, but let them make the decisions about where we invest taxpayers' money. And I think Scotland would be in a much much better place. Yeah. So I. I had a couple of calls after the program for government, just from small business owners, just saying I was saying to them, right, anything in it for you. And they said, Tom, we're sick fed up because there's nothing in that programme for government. For me as a small business person, I see the government wasting money on a DRS system, you know, millions, tens of millions of pounds down the toilet. And one of the companies, and I'll, I'll say I've got a vested interest, you know, Buzzworks opened a restaurant in Edinburgh, spent a million pounds on it, and the rates bill went up 11 times. So wow. <laughs> it just, they just don't see 
that yeah. the government's on their side. Yeah. And I think our new First Minister is trying his best, but let's see if it's good enough, Willie. Yeah, I, I think, and I asked this question at dinner the other night, in all our time involved in 24 years of various governments, right? All the way back to Jack McConnell, Donald Dewar, right up to the present day, right? And I asked 12 people around the table, Tell me, give me the name of any politician in that whole period that who you thought was the business cabinet secretary for the government who'd done a good job, right? And I, nobody could mention one. So it's no, <laughs> this is not having a go at the president. This is for 24 years. Right. So what the, the Scottish Parliament has not got right since day one is, we've said it before, right? We talked about Ireland. The greatest example we have in the UK of getting on with it is Manchester, yep. right? And and anybody, go and ask anybody about Manchester. Andy Burnham was up here two weeks ago and people were saying, what a job you're doing, what your job you're doing. And he would tell you, it's great, I, I inherited this. This was all done and started by three people, back to Lees and Bernstein and Stringer. So the leader of the council working very close with business, having no shame about it, right? That 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 working, that triumvirate, those three people together put Manchester where it is today. And I think that we've got clever enough people in Scotland, we just need to get them in the right position to make decisions. So I think there's a sea change coming, Willie. And I think we're at the centre of it. Whereas with the last government, wealth creation and business was a dirty word. A dirty word no more. Well, Tom, here's the message we're sending out to them all. We think we've made a small inroad. The people here now at Go Radio, we are up in our game. Up in our game. I love it, Willie. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Peter Proud, CEO of Forit. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go there are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Peter Proud, founder and CEO of digital technology company Forit. So, Peter, welcome to the show this morning. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Well, it's another hidden gem here this morning. When I was reading the briefing notes about Peter, I was ashamed to tell you that he's a visiting professor at the Hunter Centre at Strathclyde, and I didn't know, but I know now. It's another great example of a greatest story ever told. And I think our listeners are going to love this story. So, Peter, you're very welcome. Well, thank you. So, you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't quite the case, but uh, yeah, I wish so, I had. So, Dunfermline? Yep. So, tell us about the early years and anything in your early years that kind of was a hint about what you were going to go on to do. I think, I mean, I, I, I think when I was at school... You know, I, I was at Woodmill High School. It was a, you know, it was, it was in the middle of a, an area called Abbey View, so it was quite a, a rough area. It was all right. I mean, I, I didn't realise that houses, you know, 
were actually stood on their own until I was about 12 years old, you know. So it was a gated you know, community, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, uh, but we never, uh, yeah, it was, we, we lived in a kind of flats to begin with and then we went to a, a, a row of council houses. And um, it was it, it was interesting though, because when I look back, we had proper friends, you know, so fr I, I've still got friends today right. that I grew up with. In fact, I, I'm well, going to... I the same. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to Seattle in a couple of weeks and uh, the guy who was my best friend from 5 to 12 moved away to Glasgow when uh, he was he was 12 years old. And we've we've never seen each other since we were 12. Right. And I got randomly, we kind of connected on LinkedIn because he's worked in Seattle for 27 years. Wow. And I worked in Seattle for nine. <laughs> and we actually were only about half a mile apart. So and you never come across each other? Never saw each other. Wow. Right. So I'm actually going to speak at a conference for for Microsoft in, in Seattle in, in three weeks' time. So we're going to have dinner in Seattle. Brilliant. So it's going to be interesting. So he's actually... Is he working for Microsoft? No, or? he's the CEO of a 1,700-people architecture firm wow. in Seattle. So he's done really well. And we both grew up in the same street in Dunfermline. So it's going to be really fascinating. So And, and I think the thing that's really interesting is, is the friendships and... and when I was young, I actually did a milk route, you know, and we got... I was we, a milk boy as well. I was I, a milk boy. Yeah, right. and we got picked up. I, I got picked up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> every day. Yeah. You know, when I tried to explain this, you know, to people, we got picked up at four in the morning and we got dropped off at school at half past eight and if, if it was snowing, we all got detention because we were late, <laughs> you know, and... Um, and, and, you know, so we used to work, it was 4 until 8.30, and then on a Thursday and Friday, you collected the milk money. The money, that's right. Right, so you had to collect the milk money. I used to hate that job. Yeah. Oh, I loved it for the tips. Yeah. Oh. The, 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 there was no tips and you come that early. What was interesting is, is the guys that were on for a while knew where the tips were, so you delivered ah, the milk you, you and they collected it. So you, you, you learned a lesson payers. there. Yeah. <laughs> but, Right, point, so there was an entrepreneur hiding well, in there. So, yeah, well, in Dunfermline, there was a lot of houses getting built at that point. So so we were told by the malt van drivers, for every new customer you got, you got a pound. All which right. didn't sound very much, but, oh. you know, in the kind of early 80s. It was, so I used to go around the new houses and kind of knock on the doors and say, you know, uh, I work for Duloc, we do milk. And I was making more money from the pounds <laughs> than I was from <laughs> delivering the milk, you know, right, so... Okay. I think early on, I kind of understood that sales was important, you right. know, and, and you know, I, I was an, an engineer, but sales, I think... So did you did you then go to university? No, I did an apprenticeship. I did an apprenticeship with right. Marconi. So I did a software apprenticeship in 85. So it's, it's something Willie and I talk about. Yeah. University is not for everybody. No. And apprenticeships are so important. Fundamental. And yeah. we really need to get the government to get a good apprenticeship yep. scheme. Yeah, 100%. And I think they've actually done... Skills Development Scotland actually have done a good job on All the right, graduate yeah. apprenticeship programme. So I'm on the board for Skills Development okay. Scotland. And to be fair, I think it's one of the kind of gems that Scotland's got is SDS have done a great job with the apprenticeship programme for right. graduate apprenticeships. So uh, I've put 20 kids through university so far. Okay. Uh, they work for us one day a week... Uh, sorry, four days a week. And then they go to university one day a week and they get a degree... And most of the work and the mark is based on the work they do for us. So we work with the university. There's a whole program in place. Is it one university or is it? Uh, there's lots of universities do it, but we just work with Napier. Napier it's just right. easier for us as a company because yeah. we're in Edinburgh. Sure. Yeah. They're on our doorstep, and we've got one relationship manager. So and they've been great. They've been really great flexible, university. and it's good. University. Yeah. So, so you really benefited from Marconi. Yep. And learning by doing. Yep. 
learning on the job, yep. etc. And we went around all the departments, right? So you got to QA, you saw procurement, you saw this, you saw that. Right. We, it was a bit terrifying. You got sent down to work with all the, the young girls on the kind of the, the wiring floor and oh, they were right. just, That's what my they wife just did saw us. As, when yeah. I met her, she was on the line putting pop-ins, as they called it, with the solder there. Yeah, dialer. that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm still terrified of her yeah. as well. So. And oh, we were, oh, uh, the, 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 the apprentices were terrified because the, the girls just were like, they just killed you, you know, when you got there. And they just tried to make you as uncomfortable as possible, which they did quite a good job with me. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, so you got to see, you know, you got to see a real, you know, kind of different side to to every all of so the you, business. You, you saw the full gamut Everything. Of, of the business. Everything. And tell me, do, do you think enough companies are still offering those type of apprenticeships? I know you're on the, the board yeah. there and you're giving them a good plug this morning, Skills Development Scotland, yeah. but is there, is there more to do, you think? I, I, I think there's loads to do. Right. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a great, and I talk about this a lot, right? I think there's there's four things we need to really start. I think, you know, I think there's there's a lack of aspiration in mm -hmm. youngsters, especially that sit and are living in council estates at the moment, right? right? There's a lack of aspiration. And if they can, you know, kind of have, are inspired to have the aspiration to engage education, they can create a, a great life for themselves. And I, and, I, and I say to people all the time, there's only one person going to be with you for your whole life, and that's you. <laughs> so the only person that's going to look but, after you forever. But we need to be honest, Peter, it's easy to have lack of aspiration when the government cut 166,000 college places. I know. I, I agree. Right. So we need it. So it's okay. In that small sector, yep. you know, maybe in technology, that's great, yep. the apprentices. But yep. the reality is that we've lost 166,000 right. yeah. right, college places, which is, yeah, you know, that's we're, terrible. We're, we're discussing this last week, you know, about uh, Tony Blair, 50% of the people should go to university. Yeah. That was great then. What we need now is we need people yeah. now learning about technology. We need, I mean, the, the the problem that we have in the building industry at the moment with lack of apprenticeships is, right. is diabolical. Yeah. And also we've touched on it as well, the apprenticeship levy didn't help either. I know. I'm blaming the UK government for that. Right. I, 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 sorry, I didn't <laughs> know that they'd done that. I just, yeah. I, I'm a bit kind of insular with the stuff yeah. that we do. But yeah. we, and, and, I mean, but if every company my size, because I actually really ripped into somebody recently because he said, we're too small to have apprentices. And I was like, how many staff you got? He went, 600. 600? I mean, I've got 60. And we've got, you know, multiple oh. apprentices. And so they they actually asked to meet afterwards. So I've been really pushing companies to look right. at this. So you're, you're using your experience yep. now to give back and, and to try and plot these policies, which is brilliant. Best thing I've ever done. So it's the best thing I've ever done. From Marconi, yeah. you got on well there, and then where are you going next? Uh, I, I I did a... I, I was lucky enough, I got into Sandhurst, right? So I, oh, I, right. I got into Sandhurst. Um, so I got a chance to was kind Was that of, something that was... You were waiting to go no, there? No, not at all. No, I was not. I was, I was, uh, one, of my, one of my pals went into the parachute regiment as a private and I said, you should have went as an officer. He was like, people like us don't get in as officers. I went, I bet I can. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. I had no aspiration. I didn't really care about joining the army, but I just did it because I kind of betted when I could. So, all right, okay. Um, but, and I, I kind of just, I, I kind of... So how was Sandhurst? Then? Oh, it's really tough. Aye. It really is tough. But I mean, the one thing that stuck with me, uh, this uh, this general was doing a talk and, and he was saying that leadership and management are dead simple to explain. He goes, a manager tries to make somebody do the best job they can. A leader makes them want to do the best, best job they can. Oh, I like that, Willie. And that stuck with me all my life. I'm so, going to steal that as, as, <laughs> as, yours. as my wisdom now. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. And and that's something, and I think that's the, the, the kind of biggest takeaway was was the fact that they instilled leadership rather than management. So right. I, I, I try, and I'm a great believer in, 
hire smart people and let them do their jobs. You know, yep. don't hire smart people and tell them how to do their jobs. You know what I mean? And that's yep. kind of how yeah. we've done that. So, so, so Sandhurst. So you became an officer. Yeah, you did that. Yeah, and I, I take it you don't want to tell us where you went. No, no, I'm not. I'm not really in that talk about that now. No. I'd, I'd like to talk about the, <laughs> the, 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 the kind of industry stuff. You know, so, right? So you left. You left the army. Yeah. And, and now, I went, now, so I joined. I joined IBM Training Scheme. Right. So I joined IBM, and then all the so guys. So was that? Was that up? In, that was in Edinburgh. In Edinburgh. Right. And all the guys that I worked with in IBM went to Microsoft, and right. one of the guys that I worked with at IBM said, "Come on, you've got to come over to Microsoft. It's really cool." And I spoke to a few people about it. Oh no, no, no! You don't want to join Microsoft. You know, IBM's the future. You know, join IBM's. Right. So, and I so left. what kind of year was this? Ninety-six. Uh, Ninety-six, right? Yeah. Okay. So I joined, and I, so when I joined Microsoft, there was about twelve thousand employees. Worldwide, uh, yeah. Aye. And when I left, there was two hundred thousand. So I got to, what? I got to go through that trajectory of yeah. of Microsoft. Yeah. And so it, what were you doing there? I did loads of jobs. Right. I mean, you, you move around every eighteen months, two years. You know, I remember towards so they the end. They move you, do they? They move you. Yeah, you, right. you're you're kind of you're you're always the way they do it is really interesting. Actually, they you don't get promoted into a role, you get promoted in role. So you go up right. a level. So say a, a job is a level, say sixty one to sixty three. Right, you get that job as a level 61, you get promoted to 62 or 63, you then get a chance to apply for jobs that were level 62 to 64. Right. So you don't get promoted into a job, yeah. you get promoted in role that opens up opportunity. Uh, so, so it's really there's, good. There's examples of that in the public service. Right. Oh, yeah, that happens. It's you good. Up, you come a grade seven, yeah. a grade eight, grade yeah. nine, still in the same job. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's really good more. because then it, and, and yeah. it, and I, I remember. And Microsoft was good. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing! It's, it is, uh, it's just a phenomenal org. It was—I uh, don't know what it's like now because I left ten years sure. ago, but uh, it was a great company to work for. And I remember having a, a, a debate with one of my managers towards the end of my time there, and he was going, "Oh, it'd be good to get to know you." And I was like, "I don't spend my time getting to know guys, my managers anymore." And he was like, "Why not?" I says, "Well." I change my job every 18 months, two years. You change your job every 18 months, two years. This is not a kind of long-term relationship here. Let's just work <laughs> together well and that's good enough. And he, we're actually really good friends now, but you found it was quite funny. So, so you know. Peter, can I ask you, did you have a plan? Was this all heading towards I, starting your own business? No, or? I've never had a plan. Never. <laughs> and and, 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 and I, I was in the smooth groove at Microsoft, right? I mean, right. You, you get a lot of stock, you get your private... You know, you get your medicine, you get this, you get that. You, get, you know, what I mean, you get. Well, thank you. You, get you your, certainly don't have a plan if you go to Sanders on the back of a bed. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and then, but you get, you get, um, you get, uh, you know, you're flying. You've got your gold cars. You're flying business. You know, it's Aye. it's a it's a great life. Um, but I, but it wasn't quite satisfying. No, I was really satisfied. I was really oh, you happy. Were? Yeah, I was really happy. So what and then, made you? So. Uh, there was Leave. a guy called Neil Cameron, right? And he was the CIO of Unilever. Right. And he didn't speak to the marketing officer, right? The CMO. And the two of them spent about a billion a year in technology, right? And <laughs> and he asked if I could uh, facilitate a, a meeting uh, with the CIO and the so the marketing group and the technology group. So I got I got billed to do a two-hour session on the connected consumer. So I, I spoke to uh, Gates uh, about uh, doing a two-hour meeting on... Uh, how, because Microsoft touched about one and a half billion people every day. Wow. These companies are trying to get to the one and a half billion. Um, I worked in the enterprise group, so we sold all the software. But there was another division like Xbox and all that that had all the consumers. Aye. So I just brought it all together. And that was the kind of bit that changed my career at Microsoft. So we ended up, we ended up hosting a load of websites for Unilever, like Lynx, Dove, Axe on the MSN infrastructure. We ended up doing in-game advertising. We ended up doing tens of millions of revenue on stuff we didn't sell. 
And so I was dragged out my job and told to um, to work out how to, we land that across all of the big clients. So we ended up building about a billion dollar business out of no new product. And as part of that, uh, we came up with the idea of a marketing stack uh, out of the cloud, out of Azure. So Azure was just starting to yep. be launched at that point. And so I got 89 product teams at Microsoft in one room, uh, which is really difficult to do. <laughs> I, <bet. laughs> uh, I got I got escalated on more times in three months than I did in the previous, you know, <laughs> 17 years. And coming from five, you get escalated on a lot because you're, you're quite blunt. <laughs> but um, we give them four slides, what your product did, how you monetized it, what audience you were after and where you fit in the Microsoft strategy. Right. And then from that, we came up with the idea of a marketing stack. And at that point, I was like, we've got to build this. You know, we've got we've got to build this. And Microsoft was, well, that's not really kind of core to our business. So that was at the point then I left to go and build it myself. And that's what we did. So right. we built it ourselves. So yeah. quite a huge decision. You were oh, yeah. comfortable. Oh. You were flying business class. You had your gold card. Well, and... when it wasn't first. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they were taking care of you. Yeah, they did. They but then you went, no. Yeah, we did. So, so why? Because uh, I... Looking back. So I... Do you know what I think it was? I put a paper together to buy uh, two businesses um, that were bought by Adobe. Right. And uh, and I was blocked by a guy to buy them. It wasn't blocked, it was delayed. And Adobe bought what I wanted to buy to build. And I was like, I'm going to go build this myself. And, and so I you were frustrated. I, I think I was. And also, I, I was watching the industry and I could see that none of them were adopting the cloud as a platform, as a service. Right. Uh, they were just taking what they had before and then just chucking it on. Yes. So it was just like Stories infrastructure. It was yeah. just, yeah, right. So I was like, we could actually use all the new services. We can do scale, we can do security, we can do this, we can do that. Uh, we can do things faster. I wrote a paper, uh, just a one pager on, this is what we can do. And I, I showed people it yesterday and we're sitting there going, God, this is what we've done. Um, <laughs> the only bit that was different was it said that we could be able to kind of spin up web websites in 12 weeks and, that, and now we can do it in kind of days, you yeah. know. So that was the only bit that was different because at that point, 12 weeks was right. quick, but it's now. So, so tell the listeners, what what is your business? Who's What's the service you're selling and who's your customers? So we run, uh, we've, we've built a platform for running really big, secure websites in lots of different languages to deliver content to any platform. So we run right. websites for Microsoft in 60 countries. We run tescobank.com. We run lawyers.com. Uh, we, 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 got, we got the platform wrong a little bit. Uh -huh. um, so I, I thought we were going to launch the company about three years ago, uh, properly, like as in scale, like hire sales teams and really go for it. Um, but once, like I said, Tesco and Lloyd started using it themselves, they said it was too hard to use. Uh -huh. So we'd, done, we'd fixed all the security, scalability, performance, resilience, all the kind of... But Aye. the content editors, the people that are changing the kind of pictures and the words and stuff, said, oh, this is too... We designed it for software engineers, not yeah, too clunky. marketing people. It was too clunky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And because we hadn't, we didn't have any VCs or private equity behind us, uh, I was able to say we're not going to introduce lots of technical debt into lots of clients. We're going to stop selling. So we stopped selling. And um, and, and this it's a really hard thing to do. Aye. You know, uh, we had enough, we had just enough money to wash our face to keep the cash flow. I, I always think of kind of cash flow, right? It's, I think one of my pals raised quite a lot of money to start a business and he used to go on at me all the time saying, oh, you talk about his cash flow. And I'm like, well, you're going to run out of money eventually. Oh. And he ran out of money. Please talk about you know? cash flow. Yeah. I just, and one of the things, and go back to the army a little bit, one of the things you learn in survival is there's the four threes of survival. Have you ever heard this concept? Heard no, that. right. There's the four threes of survival, right? You can last three minutes without oxygen. You can last three hours without shelter. You can last three days without water and three weeks without food. 
three right? weeks. Yeah. Some say 30 days, actually, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to go 30 days, right? So, but if you think about that in a business, um, the cash is the oxygen, right? You cannot last longer than three minutes without cash flow, no. right? The shelter's the people. So, you know, you, you can't build a good business without good people, right? So it's, um, so the three hours, the shelter is the people, the product is the, the water, the three days, uh -huh. and then the business and the culture and the market and the sales is the food. Love it. If you get it and if you yeah. put it in that it's order. Brilliant. So I think about building a good company to build a good product, to build a good business. So, so where did you get your initial funding? Was it just family, friends? And no, well, we had uh, I got stock options at Microsoft, right? So, right. and and then so you're so a mint it basically. No, I wasn't mint. I <laughs> enough. Do you know? As I said to people, if I had not done what I've done and actually just left it where it was. It's like 22 million, right? Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I know, I know. So I, I feel like Donald Trump. All that brain damage. Uh, it's, like Donald, it's like Donald Trump, actually. He, if he'd have just not done what, what the money his dad gave him, he'd have been richer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, he wouldn't be so, as happy, though. I know, I know. But anyway, that's, that's by the bag. But we actually did it as a joint venture with WPP. WPP, Yeah, right, so okay. I knew Martin Sorrell and I knew uh -huh. Mark Reed. So we did a joint venture with WPP. But what I realised, we realised, so we started the business in 2014 as a joint venture. So I put money in, they put money in. Right. Uh, we realised that we, we were trying to build a product uh, in a services company. And all WPP cared about was billable hours. And all we cared about was building a product. <laughs> and so you can't you can't build a product when you're trying to build people out for billable hours. So we right. we did it. We went and had a chat with them and we did a buyout. So we did a management buyout. Oh, so you, you, you so, get fed up with them. Well, we bought them out. <laughs> uh, that was, was quite interesting because nobody had ever bought a company out of WPP before. No, Martin wasn't known no, for no, selling. No, no, no. It was good enough to us to let oh, us buy great. it out. So we, we bought the company out. Um, so we got yeah, and then and but we got early clients. We got customers quite early, right? Um, and it was all through triage, right? It was all customers that were in trouble, and we had a solution. And you could say I can solve that. We could solve it. So we did the first deal. We did was um, did they pay you up front? Uh, we got we got paid all right actually. Um, but so that I, helped your cash flow. <clears throat> they helped the cash flow, and, and I always think of every deal as three currencies: PR, feedback, and cash. And that was something we talked about a lot at Microsoft. So you want cash for your cash flow, you want PR to sell to other people, and you want feedback to make your product better. Brilliant. So that is what we always used to kind of talk about at Microsoft: is the PR, the feedback, and the cash. So we try and get two of three of those things. Well, actually, we always try and get the cash. So we have the PR, <laughs> it's a PR of the feedback. So that's uh, that's the thing. So the yeah, cash first, the rest it doesn't matter. Yeah, but we got the cash flow and we managed to we just kept our lights on you've got over the early stages yep. you've, you've got positive cash flow a bit but covid then came ah, right? right and then so so we we were doing okay we we're washing our face we put everything back in right, right? but then one of our clients uh, had a bit of a kind of difficult time through covid and they took away about 80k a month of right. a project uh, like at a minute's notice right and that luckily we had a bit of a reserve but we were able to just get a bring in a little bit of um a little bit of money and then and, and going back to friendship one of my pals uh, i gave him some money in 2003 to um to to help start his business and we were having a coffee and he was moaning about something that's happened in his life and he goes how are you getting on i said oh we're just we're a bit tight for cash at the moment. And he goes, I've just sold part of the business. What do you want? <laughs> and I was like, well. Wish, I wish I had friends like that. I will. And, and to be, and, and uh, but, but he was pretty fair and he says, I wouldn't have got where I am. And I was like, well, it'd just be good to get a little bit of nerd all over. So we gave him a bit of stock and he gave us, Brilliant. he gave us, you know, half a, million, half a million quid, kind yeah. of a minute's notice right. sort but, of thing. But so it was that, important. It was, that was a bridge to ah. get us over the hump. And then, and then, 
you know, and, and anyone that anyone that sits here says, "Oh, I'm amazing, I'm great," da da da. Oh. Right? They're they're lying, right? <laughs> um, you you sit, and and I think I'm pretty resilient, but I've had loads of nights where you're sitting stressed. You must have been through it. Both of you have been through it. And you're <laughs> like you're lying all night. Oh my god, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? I, I, I still and, have nights like that. Yeah, don't, everyone yeah, don't does. Worry. Yeah. Um, so we we're not so so. Eventually, I got to the point. I said, right, I'm, I always said I would never raise any money. Um, but I think what I should have been saying was, I'm not going to raise any money until I've got the product ready to go to market. Right. So we decided in March to take some money in from Scottish National March Investment 23? Bank. Yeah, just there. Yeah, we just right. did it. Yeah, we just did it then. So we, we took. You worked with Snib? Yeah. They're right. our next door neighbours. I see. Yes, of so course they are. How, how we ended up talking about it was um, I, I put a cheeky comment on LinkedIn saying that I've never had any help from Scottish government. And the only time Scottish National Investment Bank speaks to me is when I'm in the toilet because we share a bathroom. <laughs> and, <laughs> And one Somebody of the, picked up that. Well, one of the bosses saw it and he goes, I saw your comment uh, on LinkedIn. I thought you were a bit cheeky. I went, his Aye. name is Mark. I was like, Mark, we were standing in the bathroom talking about the fact that I made a comment in the bathroom. <laughs> um, but he said, we would like to do something with you guys if you're up for it. And that was how the conversation started. So we but started, we? you know, they're our next door neighbours. We had a really good experience with them, to be honest. I, and, and I get annoyed when I read the negative press because they're actually quite new. They're trying to do the right thing. You know, so we've actually had a good no, experience no, with Scottish National Investment Bank. You know, everybody Bank. now next week will be slagging off Snib, <laughs> right? right? <And laughs> see if they can get to the same. <laughs> but no, they were, well, they've yeah. been good. So well we raised, we raised, um, we raised five million pounds. It's all yeah. public, right? A we nice, raised five million. A nice wee thing for Willie Watt and the team there, Willie. Yeah, yeah we know Willie well. So Peter, just the time's a, a wee bit short. Yeah. Um, where are you now, and where are you going? You said you've never had a plan. I actually don't believe you, but um, anyway. Yeah, we're pivoting our business, right? Right. So we've 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 just opened an office in London, where it's a good time to hire at the moment actually, because there's a lot of big companies letting good people go. Yeah. Are they? So we've I've hired in the last month two ex people, two guys I worked with at Microsoft, two right. good yeah. sales guys. I mean, one of them worked with me all the way from '97, so he just joined us. Um, so we're we're pivoting now. So we're 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 turning a business round from focusing on building a product to now build, building a business. So we're, right. we're, we've got the product teams now working really well. So it's all about scale now. So we're now we're now in scale and execution mode. So it's it's Brilliant. it's all about growth. Yeah. So we're we're and and so, so we're, how many people today? Uh, sixty six, I think we're at now. Sixty six. So, right. yeah. okay. so we're yeah. getting there. And um and then so we've got nine nine in London and then the rest up in Edinburgh. We've got a couple of people, you know, around the world, you know, yeah. just because th that's where they live. But um, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the the the, the ladies that, that, that she actually runs a product team. She actually went on holiday in Germany and met a ski instructor and never left, so she's still there. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so she you works know. in Germany. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we we um, yeah. So we're so it's all about growing our business now, and and I, I just want to build a really, you know, I, I hear. I just want to build a good company in Scotland. You know, I, I think there's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of hype and there's a lot of kind of, I just want to build a nice, solid business, you know, and, and everyone says to me, what's your plan or when are you going to sell, when are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just want to build an amazing business, you know, that's sustainable, create great jobs and then see what happens. And well, I think yeah, that's the best thing to do. If you well, just build a company to sell it, then that, yeah. I think that's the wrong thing to yeah. do. Aye. Well, Peter's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having story. me. Yeah. And you know now you're under the spotlight. There's no more of that. It's not a best kept secret now. We'll no, be watching see. how you're doing. <clears throat> well, we'll Brown. try our best. Yeah. Well, Thank P you, Peter. It's a great story that's yeah. now told at yes. the Go Radio Business Show. More power to your elbow. Yeah. Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. 
document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. On the board you can't afford this week, we have a very special guest, Lynn Hunter from ScotsApp. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks, Alan. Nice to be here. Brilliant. So... Tell us a bit about yourself, a bit about your business, and then we can go to your question. Yeah, sure. Um, years ago, I, I did have another company, and it was great. It was fantastic. And like everybody else, family took over. It, been grown, it went to a certain extent, and then one day, family tragedy happened. I came away from it, and I decided I needed to have some sort of break. I needed to know that I was back in control because the previous company had like 65 members of staff. So it was huge. And um, I took a break, took a couple of years out, and I realised that the world of digital was changing rapidly. And just before COVID, Scott Apps was launched based on the fact that we knew that the applications that are available on every mobile device were really going to be coming to the fore. So that's where this came in. So it was actually launched in the autumn of 2019. Well, we all know what happened in March this wow. spring. And over the course of the last few years, I made a decision over COVID just to market, network, work around the world, doing virtual trade missions with the Scottish Chamber of Commerce. And it was great. All the networking opportunities were phenomenal. And that's where this has arisen. So right now, the most of the work that we get is coming through, through referrals. And I'm just looking at moving forward to decide which would be the best way to go. And having had a board before, I want to make sure that the mistakes were made then are no longer made now because the world has changed. And what size is the business today? In terms of... How many staff do you have? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have any staff because everybody's now self-contracted out. Right. Because of the fact that I had 65 members of staff before, I made the choice that I didn't want the hassle of having to look after the HR department of it. So what basically happens is when we get... a uh, a brief coming in for one of the apps to be done it's more or less a case of right fine the, I bring in certain people who can do with their own skills have an app value add to bring in however because we're becoming so successful with it that's where I now need to take it up to the next again level to even just to bring in the back staff to support everybody that's there something so, I said I would never do but I'm going to have to So what's your question to me today? It's very much the case of where we are, where we're going and how to get the best value off a board based on the fact that customers experience in terms of what they expect from us to be able to deliver and what a board nowadays would be expected to do based on the fact that we're working in a fast moving environment and we're always having to try to be one step ahead and only discovering that one step ahead is not any good because something else has been introduced. So it's a, it's a scary, you know, asking you to turn around and say, right, do you want to come on the board? And you'd be like, oh my gosh, what would I know about building apps? What would I know about the world of digital? It's really difficult trying to get that perfect fit to get people here. Well, obviously, you were unfortunate at the time that you decided to start, you know, just before COVID came, and that's affected everyone. But um, I would say to you that, yes, that when, you're, when you've got a small business and you're trying to grow it and you're trying to take it to the next level, it is always good to try and get people round about you. You know, as someone said, that's been on that journey before 
what I would tell people that were trying to grow their business, not knowing anything about technology or apps or whatever, is, is it's the usual stuff, you know, to have a good idea about what's the cash flow like in the business, what's your revenue like. Uh, I know I would say at the moment, any startup business, it's a great model if you've not got too many fixed overheads, which you don't have. So you've decided that you would be the one person will pull in all that expertise when you need it. I would just say to you, as someone who's very, very proud of having thousands and thousands of people working from, if I had a model where I could do that, I would love it tomorrow, right? Where you just bring in that expertise when you need it. So there's nothing wrong with that. It would be brilliant to build a substantial business where you were the only person in that business. That's, that's a special gift. But I would say to you that, that you know, it's try to find people that are that are partly in your sector, the tech sector, whatever, who you think that would be invaluable in helping you grow the business. As I said, no being a techie, no understanding how that works. Um, I I can't go into it too deeply, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of people, you know, the the you know that we've had guests on the show who are all in this field, who you know I'm sure would be happy with a bit of mentoring, whether they want to go into boards or not. But the one thing I do know about when you're trying to do something on your own, it's a lonely place. Mm -hmm. So whether you even need business expertise and all, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to, you know, to throw things at, to see what they think about it. So um, I would say, I mean, is, is the revenues in the business built up at the moment? Is, is cash flow okay? How is it? Yeah, fine, great. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, I mean, it's booming at the moment. Yeah. I mean, just because I've been there, done it, got the T-shirt, it's just trying to then decide on the model moving forward to make yeah. sure that the balance is right. Yeah. Because there's always, I, I built my previous business on value-add, always yeah. bringing somebody in that I didn't have the skill set to do. Yeah. And that's where we're sitting with at the moment. Mm. But boundaries have changed so much over since COVID. Yes. And it's just getting the right balance. Yeah. You know, for the reasons that you've just said, there are yes. lots of people out there that have the expertise, yeah. but they haven't got a scooby about how to run a business. I, I don't know if you're uh, interested in this, but what we have done is we started up the Scottish National Network two years ago yeah. because of the fact that f there was so many businesses like what I had started up with Scott Apps that yeah. were really struggling trying to get the appropriate types of people to help them maintain them. Yeah. So again, it's not just Scott Apps we've been looking at, it's been the network as well because yeah. we've had a great volume of people coming regularly to meet up in Murrayfield Stadium yeah. and here in Glasgow as well. So we're, put, we're consolidating all of that with, there's four of us involved in it, we all have our own businesses and we're now at the point where we're actually sitting down and saying, right, we need to get a board in, we need to get this done and we need to get that done because there's so many businesses out there that are lost. Yeah. And it's great seeing all these new businesses coming out, yeah. but there's got to be something there to cohesively bring everybody together and we all have the same issue. How do we get this board put together so that we can maintain and sustain yeah. and grow? Yeah, and it's interesting that this segment is called The Boards You Can't Afford and I think back mm. in the day, that we had, we had this idea about trying to put a panel of guys together where maybe once a quarter, quarter we would invite eight small businesses in and we could give them advice and maybe we're going to rekindle that again for this year. So there's a wee exclusive for you. So maybe we might be putting something together that might be able to help you. And I think that I think that's desperately needed because outside the space, unless you have actually started your business yeah. and tried to grow it, you don't realise all the pitfalls. Yeah. You don't also get you you miss out on all the highs as well and as much as i like all the organizations that are out there to help most of the staff are admin staff and have never 
ever started their own business. Well, Lynn, delighted that you've came on today to ask us this question and we will look with interest to see how Scott's app gets on in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.